Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is a place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 192, I'm chatting with Christy Wright. She's a certified business coach, the owner of the Business Boutique, a Dave Ramsey personality, and the mom to two little boys. She's going to give us the pep talk we need to remind us that we can manage our lives with guilt-free confidence. Your time is so finite. It's the most finite resource that we have. We can get more of anything in this world except time. And when we realize that it's the most finite resource we have, it then becomes the most valuable. Many women feel like their time is obligated to others just because that person asked. And, and it's your life and it's your time. You don't just have the right to say no. You have the responsibility to say no. And this is really important uh, skill for us to master as women because if not, the truth is we're going to live our lives busy and burnout and rushed and running ragged and grumpy and like I said, not very much fun to be around. So we need to protect ourselves and our time and, uh, and it starts with you. No matter what combination of womanhood or assignment you find yourself in right now, whether you're single, married, kids, no kids, work outside the home, work inside the home, Christy has great advice for helping us choose what God has intended us to do, to make better decisions with our time, to stop feeling like imposters, to start taking the next step towards the goals and the purposes that God's put before us. She is a powerhouse, and I cannot wait to share with you. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Christy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're thrilled. I heard you at Propel and thought immediately, oh my goodness, I have to bring Christy on the show and share her with my listeners. I love it. Well, thank you. Y'all are about to be blown away by Christy's story. Um, what struck me most, honestly, was your growing up and hearing about your mom. Yeah. Would you take a second and tell everyone listening about that part sure, of your story? Sure, absolutely. So my mom was uh, 33 when she had me. And um, about uh, six months after she had me, when I was six months old, uh, her and my dad split. And so all her kind of dreams of what her story was going to look like changed in that moment. And she didn't have any money. She had $64 to her name. And she had this six-month-old baby to raise and support. And uh, my mom, one of the coolest things about her is she's very persistent and she perseveres and she's scrappy and resourceful and she's always been very entrepreneurial. And so she started a little cake shop at that time to raise and support me. And so uh, I was raised in the business literally at times. But what was so cool about that is that I had this front row seat to watch an incredibly powerful, strong, smart woman chase her dreams and build a business and raise her family and just be a fighter. And so I watched how she uh, you know, handled it when customers were mean or unhappy. And, and I watched how she handled it when employees called out sick. And I watched how she balanced the, you know, um, cash register or real cash register at the end of the day, you know, those types of things. And it gave me an early love of business, but it certainly shaped my ideas of womanhood and what you can do in this world as a woman and what it looks like to chase your dreams and uh, live guilt-free as much as possible, like learn some tactics to shake the guilt and, and just some of those things that have definitely shaped who I am today. I'm sure your mom felt guilt. Like you said, I felt, I bet she felt like, you know, I'm a bad mom that I'm, 
taking my daughter to the shop with me and all of the things that we think. But it was a gift to you. Talk the mom listening who feels that guilt. Talk her through that. Yeah, I think one of the things that we get confused in motherhood, and I say we, I mean me, like, let's just be honest, we speak from experience, like, Heather, this is something I struggle with. I am such an achiever. I'm a doer. Mm -hmm. And I tend to connect with a lot of moms like that because that's my personality style and kind of my MO. And so what happens is we become so consumed with doing that we forget about being. And I know that sounds real fluffy and stuff, but what I mean by that is what your kids want is you. Not Mm -hmm. all the things you do for them. What they want more than perfectly planned organic meals or Pinterest parties are just you. They just want time with you and time, you know, your attention, that type of thing. And so my challenge to moms is you don't have to have your entire world revolve around your children. And in fact, you shouldn't. It's unhealthy. It's codependent. And it's a little weird. Like your kids don't want to be the center of your universe. (laughs) Go have something else that makes you you besides circling them like helicopter mom. However, when you are with them, really be with them. Don't be trying to multitask and scroll Facebook and, you know, do 15 things at one time. Instead, like focus on quality over quantity. And so uh, have really good quality time with your kids, but you don't have to spend every waking minute staring into their eyes to, to affirm your existence. Like you were whole before you had children and you have things I'd be willing to bet that you enjoy outside of your children. And that's okay. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of this both and thing. Yes. You want to be a great mom and be present for your kids. You don't have to do all the things for them. Just be there for them. Play with them. Get on the floor and wrestle if you have boys. You know, go get outside. Go make memories. Don't scare, you know, stare at screens nonstop. But you don't have to do that all the time. You know, we we tend to swim to extremes and feel like every minute has to be this Pinterest perfect, Instagram worthy moment. And it doesn't. Sometimes, believe it or not, your kids can just fend for themselves. Like they can be creative and come up with things to do on their own. You're, you know, it's not your job to be cruise director of their life and entertain their every moment. So I think when we begin to understand, let's have good quality time with our kids and be present and not scrolling Facebook and not checked out um, and not staring at screens and so on, but then have times away from your kids and don't feel guilty for that. Because what I found in my life is when I take time away from my family, when I'm not at every single thing they do, because I have other irons in the fire, I have a business, I have hobbies, I have girlfriends, I've got stuff going on at church, that it doesn't make me a bad mom. It makes me a better mom. I come mm-hmm. back happier. I like myself more. I'm more confident because I got a pedicure, or I'm more confident and proud and happy because I worked out, or because I went and took some time to read a good book. And so I just think of it like investments, like with money, like you're making deposits into yourself that then produces a return on your investment for everyone. Like that energy and that happiness and fulfillment pours into everyone around you. And I love the quote by Meg Meeker where she says, the most powerful way to teach a daughter how to enjoy life is to let her see her mother do the same. And so the most powerful thing you can teach your kids is actually the example that you set. And so, um, just keeping that in mind helps me shake the guilt because then I realize that time away from my kids is not something I should feel guilty for. Instead, it's me taking care of me, the whole woman that I am. And then I bring that back to my relationships, including my spouse and my kids. And I'm, and I'm better for it. And they enjoy me more because of it, if that makes sense. Totally. I think that that whole self-care idea that's become really big and, and then also what you're doing is modeling for them that we each have gifts and talents and interests that God gave us for a purpose. And 
you got to see also that your family legacy was being built. Right. Your mom's entrepreneurial spirit got passed to you. and But not only that, she normalized what small business looks like for you. Right. Like it's not intimidating for you because you've seen it. That was part of your every day. That's exactly right. I, yeah. And, and I think for her, like we were so close and she had so many incredible personal qualities that shaped my personal qualities. So uh, mm. very persistent and she perseveres and she has integrity and she's scrappy, scrappy and she's a fighter and survivor and all these things that shaped me that made me have those qualities because I watched her live them out. And it just made me realize the the power of the example you set. You don't have to intentionally sit down and teach your children certain things. You can, it's great, but really they're going to watch. How do you treat your server? If they're going to watch, how do you treat your husband? They're going to watch. Mm. How do you spend your money? How do you react when something doesn't go your way? You know, and that is more powerful than anything you can sit down and say, for example, I'm going to give a challenge to your moms here. And I, I say this because I'm okay. guilty of it. <laughs> Never say anything about yourself you don't want your children saying about themselves. Mm, and I don't know about you, but that's convicting for me because yeah. it's easy to beat myself up and be like, oh, you're wonderful, you know, to my kids. Uh, but man, everything in your life starts with you. Everything about your confidence, your faith, everything starts with your example. And so if you want to be a great mom, if you want to be a great wife, if you want to be a great leader, you have to take care of you first or you cannot invest in those areas and be strong in those areas. And, by Such the, and, a good word. and as a side note, like self-care is more than a pedicure. Okay. Right. Self-care is more than so like true. one day a so month, true. I'm going to go buy mm-hmm. a new shirt. Self-care is an attitude. Self-care mm-hmm. is a mindset of how I value myself as a woman, as a leader, as a mother and the value I place on myself and what my needs are. For example, um, if I'm hosting a party, I know that I'm going to enjoy the party more and I'm going to be more present at the party if I take time to get myself ready first so that I can really enjoy my guests instead of cleaning every last corner and baseboard and then I don't have any makeup on. Have you been there? Say yes. Like we and still we, have the apron on when everybody shows up. That's yep. right. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we always prioritize ourselves last and then we're mad about it. So just stop. Yeah. Stop being mad. Well, and then we blame every, other people. Like we're totally. angry and then we just start lashing out at everyone. That's exactly right. you're not looking out for my needs. But that, that's right. That or my husband job. will say, hey, I need you yeah. to do this or this. I'm like, okay, well, if I do that, I won't have dinner tonight. Are you cool with that? And, and you just tell people what you need and you you begin to protect yourself. And when you do that, you're happier and you have better results. And, and I just think that's so important because if not, to your point, we just were doormats and then we're mad about it. And I think people would rather <laughs> us just not be so mad. Just tell them what we need and go have a workout, get a pedicure, put your makeup on, get in the word, you know, get in the word and read and do whatever you need to do that takes care of you. And then everyone will benefit. But it's up to you to to teach people what your needs are and to make that a priority because no one's going to do it for you. No one, no one can take care of you except you. I'll give you a really practical example. No matter how many times my husband tells me I look pretty, if I don't <laughs> feel pretty, I don't act like it. And Mm -hmm. when you feel bad about you, you feel bad about everything else too. No one can take care of you except you. So you've got to do that. And then the cool thing is everyone begins to appreciate it. It's like my husband, he would feel guilty. And and men experience this too in a different way. My husband would feel guilty for working out. And I kept pushing him and pushing and pushing him to work out. I'm like, no, I like it when you work out. Like you're nicer when you come home, when you work out, please Mm, go work out. I love it when you work out because you come home and you've got all this energy and you're in a good mood because you took some time for you. So now 
Like he does that and he doesn't feel bad about it. But, but sometimes it takes you and your spouse getting on the same page of your needs and priorities. Um, but I, I'd be willing to bet when they begin to experience the benefits of it, then they'll be like, yes, please go work out. Please go <laughs> hang out with your girlfriends because you're even more fun to be around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My husband's definitely, uh, totally fine with the weekend getaways because he's like, when you're away with people or even if it's a professional thing, mm-hmm. like a professional conference or something, right. he says you come back like so much more energized and confident and, Oh, yes. So we need supportive spouse, um, spouses, but we also need to choose that for ourselves and make it a priority. Uh, I loved how you talked about at Propel the decision making with our time. Yes. Like a bad decision paradigm we make. I think it would fit right here. So tell everyone about that. What's this paradigm you realized? Yeah. You so this making? is this is how I used to make decisions. And I'd be yeah. willing to bet that a large <laughs> percent of your listeners still make decisions this way. So these are the two questions I asked myself any time an opportunity came up. So, Christy, we need you. We need you to volunteer. We need you to cook chili for the potluck. Can you help me move my house, raise my kids, organize my pantry? Like, you know, we got another project at work, whatever the thing is. Okay. Anytime something came up, the only two filters I ran it through, the only two questions I asked myself were, do they need me and can I do it? Now, so do they need me? The first question, the answer is yes, because they're asking, right? So that one's done like that. Of course they need you. Everybody needs you all the time. Needs are limitless. Can yep. I physically fit this in my schedule? Am I available at that time? So, so in a scenario, let's say, for example, you said, Hey, Christy, we've got a, a nonprofit that we're running and there's a charity uh, going on on Sunday night. It's a big donor dinner and we want you to come and speak. If I were to look at my calendar on Sunday night and my Sunday night was free, I would say yes. Because you needed me and I could do it. But right. what's the problem with this is this sucks us into a lot of jobs and roles and relationships and opportunities and projects that are not a priority to us. They're a priority to the person that's asking. And it leads us into this terrible cycle where we spend our entire lives having every waking minute scheduled for someone else. We become reactive mm-hmm. instead of proactive and we're in the uh, passenger seat of our car, of our life, and everyone else is in the driver's seat. And I want you to change your thinking thinking and ask yourself more questions than just, do they need me and can I do it to become more in the driver's seat of your own life and your time? Because you get one life, like it's your time. It's your life. If you don't protect it and spend it on what matters to you, then again, no one can do that for you. So I would give you a few other questions to ask yourself when an opportunity comes up instead of just, do they need me and can I do it? So you're always Mm -hmm. perpetually booked for everyone else, um, never having any downtime. (laughs) <laughs> Number one, um, does this uh, is this in line with my goals? Is this in line with okay? The but that, that means I have to think about goals. <laughs> yeah, do I have goals? Wait a minute. Do I have goals? Wait, no, I don't even have goals. Yeah. Okay, uh, but these are okay, just suggestions. So, so, like, is this in line okay. with my goals? Does this compete with a higher priority? Like, uh, yes, I could do it, but it's going to then take away from something that's more important to me. Whatever that mm. thing is, um, how will this affect my family? I don't know if you do this, but I commit my family and me. Uh, to things all the time and don't ask them. So that's nice. Uh, Maybe we should consider them. (laughs) How will this affect my family? Um, Do I want to do it? Like you get to ask Mm. yourself if you want to do something. Mm. 
And and I would challenge you to think too, not just do you want to do it right now, will you want to do it then? Something that sounds like a good idea today in six months is no longer a good idea. And so try to, as much as you can, ask yourself a few more things uh, before you commit to something and even run something by your spouse. If you're a perpetual uh, you know, people pleaser and you say yes all the time, a good uh, kind of break for you can be your spouse because I will run things by Matt and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and he'll help me check and evaluate, will I really want to do that realistically at that time? Whereas my inclination all day, every day is yes. Uh, but, but I think this is really important because your time is so finite. It's the most finite resource that we have. We can get more of anything in this world except time. And when we realize that it's the most finite resource we have, it then becomes the most valuable. And if it's the most valuable, we would treat it differently if we knew how, how valuable and finite that it is. And so, for example, um, when we change our thinking and we no longer react to everyone else's demands of us, then here's what's really cool. You could ask me to go to a donor dinner and speak on Sunday night, and I could look at my calendar on Sunday night and realize that I have nothing going on, and I can still have the confidence and kindness to tell you no. Because you're not, my time is not obligated to you just because you asked. And, and, and I use this example, but you apply this to anything. Many, many women feel like their time is obligated to others just because that person asked. And, and it's mm. your life and it's your time. You don't just have the right to say no. You have the responsibility to say no. And this is really important uh, skill for us to master as women because if not, the truth is we're going to live our lives busy and burnout and rushed and running ragged and grumpy and, like I said, not very much fun to be around. So we need to protect <laughs> ourselves and our time, and, uh, and it starts with you. And how do we kindly say that no, just to give words to someone who's like, okay, I, I feel I'm empowered. I feel like I can do this. I don't have to let other people dictate my time, but maybe give them some words because I'll know I'll give all kinds of excuses. Yes. Instead of just I know. saying, we always it feel like we have to explain it, me. don't we? Like we always yes. have to explain it away. Yes. Women do this. We do. Yes. Okay. So I've got two things for you. One, you can actually say no without ever saying the word, but I would challenge people to not always use the crutch of can't. I can't mm. do that because then if you technically can, then you don't have a crutch anymore, right? Like you don't know how right. to respond in that situation on Sunday night when your calendar's totally clear <laughs> and you don't want to lie and you don't know what to do. So I would, I would, I would hesitate to, to always lean on the crutch of can't because then you can, you don't know what to do. So instead what you can do is you can politely decline and you can do it in kindness and you can do it in your personality and style. I'm not re recommending being rude at all, at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. but you don't even have to say the word. And the example I always use is it's kind of like the criticism sandwich. Like you say something nice and then mm -hmm. politely decline and then say something nice. And my husband does this to me all the time when <laughs> I have any one of my 5 million ideas to redecorate another room in our house for the 400th time. And so, uh, here's how he, he would say it. So let's say I'm like, babe, I just saw the best pin on Pinterest and I totally want to redecorate our entire living room with a whole new color palette. Okay. This was a very likely idea, by the way. Um, and he might say something like, wow, that sounds really creative. You know, we don't have any time or money to dedicate to any more redecorating projects right now, but I love that you are just exploring Pinterest and having fun getting new ideas. Now, that was yeah. very nice. The answer is still mm -hmm. the same. No, we're yeah. not doing yeah. your project, right? So, so if someone, if, if it was the Sunday night thing, let's go back to that because we just carry this thread on through. And you say, Christy, Sunday night, I've got a huge charity, a donor dinner. Uh, I'm, I really want you to come speak. Is there any way you could come speak for us? And again, my calendar's free. 
So I'm not going to say I can't. I can't say I can't, okay, and and be Mm -hmm. honest. So I might say uh, something like, Heather, that sounds amazing. I love that you have a heart for this nonprofit, and I hope that you have a great turnout. I'll be honest, uh, Sunday night is my time that I love to stay home and just get ready for the week and do some laundry. I know it doesn't sound cool, but... It's cool to me, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to stick to that on Sunday night. But I hope it turns out amazing, and let me know if I can support you in the future. Now, mm-hmm. that was so nice, but I'm still not coming, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it was I was honest, like I don't have plans, and I'm still not coming. And I think mm-hmm. that it's really important for us as women to develop this confidence and strength to be able to say no and say the truth and protect our time. And what you're really saying. Um, when you're saying those things is you're saying that's not a priority and that's okay. That's that, that takes incredible confidence to be able to say to your friend or a boss or a coworker, uh, to say no to them and know that you're going to be okay and they're going to be okay. And the life is going to go on. Like the whole world does not depend on you. And that charity ball doesn't depend on me and everyone's going to yeah. be fine. Uh, but we've got to develop this skill. And we, as women on the receiving end of that, no, that nice, no, is to not take it personally that we're not a priority. Right. We can't be everybody's priorities. Well, like, and just respect we, it. Like, you don't have yeah, to agree or understand yes. it, but just yes. respect it. Like, and, and I'll get, yes. I'll say this. I've got a lot of, I got a lot of soapboxes about no, Heather. So I just feel free to rein me <laughs> in. If I'm we open a can. Yeah. We open a can. Okay. Because this is such a, it really is such an important skill. But I'll say this. And, and as women, a lot of times we are dishonest. But like, we'll say yes when what we mean is no. And we'll say yes mm-hmm. when we plan to somehow wriggle out of it later. And I would just yeah. challenge just to make people happy yes, on the front end in the moment, yeah, but we end up disappointing them overall. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Or we go yeah. and we're bitter about it. Well, it's like, that's yeah. not fun any, either. Yeah. So yeah. I would challenge your listeners that in my experience, an honest no is always better than a dishonest yes. And so it really gives you this challenge to be honest and say no. And, and most people, extroverts or introverts, people pleasers or not, um, most people value honesty. So if I invite you, Heather, to come to my party and uh, you say, no, Christy, I'm sorry. I just I honestly want to stay at home watching a chick flick in my pajamas eating Ben & Jerry. I would say, awesome. I hope you have an awesome night in. That sounds so fun too. Then the next time... Heather, when I ask you to come to my party and you say yes, I know that you actually want to be there because your words carry weight. And most people, believe it or not, can handle your no. Most people can. They really Mm -hmm. can. We just feel like uh, we've got this hero complex that that the world revolves around us and people can't. It's like, just be honest. Like if if you do it Mm -hmm. in kindness, most people will respect you for it. If anything, it may challenge them like, man, I need a night at home or man, I need to say no and decline things more politely. That was pretty nervy. She must really respect herself and her time. Maybe I should respect myself and my time too. Again, you lead and teach others about how you live your life. You may actually inspire people to protect their time just by you doing it with your time. So when the guru of business tells you and I that we need to protect our time, I'm thinking we need to figure this out. So as your friend, I'm going to share with you one way I'm going to save time this week. It's with something I just learned about. It's called Prep Dish. It's a meal planning subscription service. So each week they send me an email. This week I got my email on Friday. It had the meal plan options. There was a super fast option, a paleo, a gluten-free, and I clicked on it and it had a PDF with a list of the meals and then the grocery list. There was even an Instacart link, y'all. To save time, you don't even have to go to the grocery store. They can shop and buy groceries for you. Oh, my word. So I went and bought the groceries today. This afternoon, I'm going to prep them and chop up the stuff. I think it takes like an hour to three hours, depending on which meals you pick. 
And then during the week when my boys need my help with homework or we're driving to sports, I can still have healthy meals and not spend hours in the kitchen. Amazing. So if you want to check it out, go to preptish.com forward slash GCM, lowercase GCM, and you can get a free two-week trial. You can try it out with me. This week, we're going to be eating some chili lime shrimp with jicama. If you haven't had a jicama, you haven't lived. An avocado salad. The boys are going to love the balsamic pork chops with broccoli and rice and some bison burgers. I mean, what boys wouldn't love eating a buffalo for real? All right, go check it out, prepdish.com forward slash GCM, lowercase. Let's hear some more from Christy. Here we go. Amazing. So good. I'm thinking about it applying to these women I know who are running small businesses, whether it's a multi-level marketing that they're getting involved in or they're they're launching something very entrepreneurial, um, that there's going to be a lot of these scenarios for them. A lot of these opportunities and weighing the costs and their goals and having to say no in a kind way and having to receive a lot of no's. So I think all these lessons kind of carry us into the challenges and the opportunities for women in business. Um, and you had mentioned that they also struggle with an imposter syndrome, which oh, I think yeah. goes back to that confidence thing. Right. Um, talk through that for us. Like, why do we <laughs> this but it's so true like how can we not just say yes I run a business right I'm doing this absolutely (laughs) what's funny too because I think that if you're not aware of the imposter syndrome then you feel like you're the only one that feels that way and you totally Mm. accept all those thoughts as truth if you are Mm. aware of it 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 makes a huge difference because then you can call it out and separate it from yourself like oh that's not me and that's not true that's the imposter syndrome so let's talk about what it is really quickly for those listeners that may not be aware this is really important um And it can sneak up, by the way, in business or anywhere in life. Um, So the imposter syndrome is a term coined in the 70s by researchers to describe living with the nagging feeling of being found out, like feeling Mm -hmm. like a fraud at whatever the thing is. And so the, the, the signature line, the signature lie of the imposter syndrome is, who are you? Who are you to write that book? Who are you to take those classes? Who are you to go to that university? Who are you to start that nonprofit? Who are you to lead a business? And and when that seed of a lie takes hold, it can be very dangerous because we accept it as truth and we live in fear of it. And we never do that thing because we perpetually feel unqualified. We are not qualified to do the thing. And and this is something that um, researchers believe up to 70% of people suffer from women much more often than men, research shows. Uh, Additionally, the imposter syndrome is actually a trait of the high achiever. So someone sitting on their couch eating Cheetos, watching Netflix all day, isn't really worried if they're good enough. (laughs) It's the people out there on the front lines moving and shaking and making things happen that are wringing their hands going, do I deserve to be here? And I don't know if this is comforting to your listeners, but I'll, I'll say this when I learned this, it was comforting to me. Even very successful people suffer from this. So Maya Angelou had talked about, I've written 11 times, and each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm a fraud. They're going to find out now I'm not a writer. Kate Winslet, Mm -hmm. award-winning actress, would go off to a shoot, and she would say, they're going to kick me out of here. I I don't Mm -hmm. deserve to be here. They're going to find out I'm not really an actress. And Mm -hmm. so for me, that gave me such comfort because I began to realize that you never outgrow or outperform or out succeed your fear. 
Fear will accompany you in different ways at different levels every stage of your journey. Uh, I love how Joyce Meyer says, new levels, new devils. As soon as you conquer your fear of one thing, you get outside your comfort zone, you try something new, that a new fear is going to creep up. Why? Because you've never done it before. Of course you're scared. You've never done it. But I'll tell you, the antidote to fear is action. Nothing will silence your fears like doing the thing. And so you don't have to wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. You just do it scared. Because when you do that, fear can't torment you with all these terrifying possibilities of what's going to happen if you do it because you did it. And guess what? You survived. And once you do it once, I promise it's that much easier to do it again. So I don't know what that thing is that your listener might be wrestling with right now. I don't know if it's, I feel called to write a blog, but I'm just so scared. What will people think? Just write one blog. Just post one blog or walk on a stage or record a video or uh, start that side business or open that Etsy shop or, uh, you know, I don't know, go back to school or chase a different dream or start a nonprofit, whatever it is. Uh, I would just say, take the first step, do the thing that the low hanging fruit, take the first step one time. And with every tiny baby step, your confidence grows and your momentum grows. And then you look up one day and you're like, wow. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing I was afraid of. And now, guess what? I'm not afraid anymore. But you have to do it scared because if you wait until the fear is gone, you'll never do it. And I'd say for me personally, a lot of that fear, like doing brave things. <laughs> uh, I had my first live event last fall and it was terrifying oh, to sure. put myself out there. Terrifying. Oh, yeah. No one's going to come. Like even if you no, sold the thing no out of one. tickets, no one's going to come. Yeah. Your no mind one is, is just coming. like, oh. I will be there by myself. And then I... uh I was also like rejection, fear, rejection, fear of failure. I'm oh, but it, but cautious. Isn't that funny? Like, yes, let's talk about yes. that really quickly. Leading up to my yeah. first live event of Business Boutique, fear told me no one's going to come. And literally seconds later, they're all going to leave so disappointed. How is that possible, Heather? How is no one going to come and they're all, all the lies are conflicting? So yeah, it's like it hits you coming and going. Like, you, you yeah. don't have a chance. Like, that's what fear no. does. But it's so true. It makes you realize how ridiculous it is when you say it out loud, but when it's caught in your head, Mm -hmm. man, that's powerful because it seems to get bigger than life to you, you know, if you don't say it out loud, like you said. And we don't take the risk because we're super cautious and don't want to make a mistake. It's like me on a ski slope. I'm going to take the blues or the greens or whatever the easiest one is because I want to fall down. Right. I'm not going to take the black diamonds, but my husband's out on the black diamonds. Like, who cares? I don't care if I fall to get back up again. And I'm terrified. Of making a mistake. So, well, it's so it's so funny you say that because research supports that. So I'm reading yeah. uh, Bringing Up Boys by James Dobson right now because yes, I have two boys yeah. and I don't know anything okay. about boys. So I'm trying to learn about boys. <laughs> and he talks in some of the early chapters about research shows as early as childhood, you see differences in even how uh, little boys and little girls experience fear and risk. Mm. So research shows that as early as, um, you know, age four, five, and six, Little girls break sooner when riding their bicycles than little boys. Little girls are more risk-averse than boys, which any moms of boys are going, all the praise hands, yes, yes, and amen. Um, (laughs) When it comes to making a mistake, like let's say they crashed on their bike, little boys attribute their mistakes to external factors. So it must have been a rock, must have been a flat tire, couldn't have been me, right? Let's try again. Definitely Mm -hmm, couldn't have been me. mm -hmm. Uh, Little Mm -hmm. girls internalize that. I am a mistake. I am a failure. And little girls never want to make the same mistake twice. Just like you just said, Heather, literally you just said, Mm -hmm. I never want to make the same mistake twice. Um, When you think of the implications of that as grown men and women in business, there is no business without risk. Mm -hmm. All business is is a big experiment. 
and lots of little yeah. experiments. And so I think this is really important because if we don't understand that failure is normal and it's all a big experiment and we are not a failure, but you can dust yourself off and try again and take some risk and all that kind of stuff, you can overcome these tendencies that we have as women to be super cautious and never want to make a mistake. And you can still win in business, but you need to be aware of it and you need to push through it. Um, because if you stay there waiting for everything to be perfect until you do anything, you'll never do anything. And, and if you define your failures as you were a mistake, then you may be missing out on something huge. And I'll share one story. I wrote about this in my book, Business Boutique. It was um, in the second chapter, I believe. And I talk about a speaking event where I just bombed. Like Heather bombed every speaker's <laughs> worst nightmare. This is about seven yeah. years ago or so. This guy had called me out and I didn't know the answer. And then it was just, oh. I just lost the audience. I cried the whole six-hour drive home in my rental car. And here's what I told myself that whole drive home. Never again. Never again. I will never speak again. I will never walk on another stage. I will never, to your point, Heather, make that mistake again. I'll never even put myself in the situation where I could make that mistake again. Now, had I accepted that as truth and stood by that, I would have missed out on the last decade of an incredible speaking career where God has given me gifts and then grown those gifts and impacted audiences all across the country because I was willing to get back on the horse, dust myself off and try again. But it's vulnerable and it's scary. And I know that, but you have to keep going anyway, even if you're embarrassed, even if you quote unquote failed, even if that thing scarred you to the core, the only way to overcome it is to just go do it again. You just have to pick yourself up and keep going because man, if not, you really might miss out. And and I just think of what I would have missed out on had I actually lived by that. Thankfully, I didn't. And I went back out there, even though it was scary. And we really have to understand the importance of that, not just in business, but in life. Like you're going to get knocked down, but it's the, it's, I love the quote by Winston Churchill, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. I just saw that at the end of a movie. Oh, really? The um, movie about him. Oh, I, I need Darkest to watch that. Hour. I just heard that that was out. I need to watch it. I just, I think that's the quote at the very end of the movie. It's oh, that's it's awesome. Good. It's good. I'm sure I'll love it. I love uh, him. So <laughs> it's great. And you're right. It does apply not just to business, to personal life. Cause I'm thinking about the mom who maybe she doesn't have, maybe she has no interest in business. She's m more curious about other things, but she is in this role of motherhood and she feels like an imposter. Mm -hmm. She's totally terrified of taking a risk with, um, her mothering and doing what feels natural to her because it, she thinks she should do something the another way. And she's terrified of what if I make a mistake, these kids don't turn out. And that fear of failing or rejection is keeping her trapped and not being confident in the mom God made her to be. So I think all of your messaging is like a big kick in the pants. I'm super <laughs> fired up, Christy. Like I'm like cheering in my closet here. Awesome. Uh, it's very, very, very good. And uh, any other tips for someone that is, I mean, I know you coach people, but like if a gal is on the verge of deciding whether to take that risk or to just put herself out there and take that first step, what, you know, what can she do to overcome that? What is on the other side of that that you can just give her hope for? You know what yeah, I'm I think, I think that's a great question. I think, you know, what, 
and let's just talk specifically about business. What business represents today has a completely different definition than it did 30 years ago. 30 years ago, starting a business meant taking out a small business loan, opening a brick and mortar Mm -hmm. store, putting up billboard advertising. Like it meant a lot of things that it doesn't mean today. Today, you could start a business tomorrow with nothing more than your ID and a Facebook page. You can literally dip your toe in the water with very little risk. The only thing you're risking is your pride. The only thing you're risking is vulnerability. Um, you're not actually risking a financial risk or, um, or, or anything like that. Uh, you know, cost of goods, supplies, startup, you're not risking any of that. You're even commitment. You're not risking. All you're risking is, do you have the nerve to put yourself out there and say, Hey, I'm going to try this thing. So let's say, for example, you have a woman listening right now and she is outstanding at organizing. Everyone her whole life has said, you're so good at organizing. You should start a business organizing. She's wanted to start a business organizing. This may mean for her that brave first step is simply putting a Facebook post out saying, I'm thinking about starting to do some organizing, some home organizing services. Would anyone be interested? Question mark. That's it. That's that brave first step to gauge interest. Or maybe it's, um, here's a home organizing tip. Organize your pots and pans this way, X, Y, Z. She puts a little picture. And if she gets some engagement, like, man, that really helped me. Or gosh, uh, can you come to my house and do that? That's affirmation. So, so the, the dipping the toe in the water can be so small. And, and it, that win, though, gives you the confidence to put another post or another question or take another step or write another blog or post another video, whatever the thing is, to where you can literally baby, 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 baby step your way into business, and then it doesn't feel so scary. You don't have to feel like it's this terrifying leap into the deep end of business with all this money and cost and, oh my gosh, I'm making a big splash, I'm doing it. Just dip your toe in and gradually introduce yourself to the market, test it out to see what they want, and test it out to see what you want. And as you yeah. do that, uh, you will work your way into it, and then you'll look up in a month or a year and go, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And it all started with that tiny little Facebook post that was the first domino that got the ball rolling. I love that. I am the target audience for that organizing mom. please come to my house I mean that's the thing too sometimes what we can do really really well like organizing we devalue because it comes easy to us oh yes right yes 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 I've got so so like like she's like who would need this and I'm like right here this lady (laughs) come to my house I will pay you all the dollars I don't even care oh my gosh that's such a great point I think because I grew up in this world of like leadership and personality assessments, I take for granted the fact that I um, know my strengths really, really well, but everyone right. doesn't. Like everyone hasn't taken personalities, you know, test or Myers-Briggs or whatever. Strength but if you finder, don't know your yeah. strengths, then you can't stay in them. And I think it's really uh, important to know what your strengths are so that you can stay in them because you're going to be the most successful and you're going to have the most fun. So I actually um, wrote about this in my book, uh, where I have five E questions that you can ask yourself that are going to help you identify your strengths. So I'll go through this really quickly because yeah, you, be you hit on one that's really important. Um, the first one is what do you enjoy? Typically, the things that you enjoy are also your strengths because we don't like to do stuff that we're not good at. Um, <laughs> right. I don't anyway. <laughs> the second thing is what comes effortless for you? And so what's just easy for you? This is exactly what you were just talking about, though, Heather, because the things that are easy for you are not easy for everyone else. And it's very easy to think, well, because it's effortless for me, for me, it's effortless for everyone else. Or because this is obvious knowledge to me, 
it's probably not obvious knowledge to everyone else, but it's and not. And don't, you don't see it as valuable. You don't see it. People wouldn't pay for this. Right. People wouldn't pay for this. But yeah, they right. would because they, it's not Ex- easy for them. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, so what's effortless for you? Uh, another, uh, The third one is where do you excel in relation to others? And so, for example, uh, where are you really good? Now, don't get all squirmy here because people are like, oh, nothing. I'm not good at anything. I just no. I excel in humility. humility. I'm just so humble. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, listen. <laughs> You're not doing anyone any favors by dismissing or downplaying your strengths. So if God made you good at something, own it. And more than that, step into it because we need what you have to offer. Um, Okay, so what do you enjoy? What is effortless for you? Where do you excel in relation to other people? The fourth one is what do others encourage in you? Okay, what do other people encourage in, in you? A lot of times finding our strengths or identifying our strengths comes through the gift of other people's compliments. So what are people always saying, man, you're so good at that. Man, that just comes so easy to you. You should start a business doing that, you know, that kind of thing. And the last one is what gives you energy? What actually gives you energy? Because typically the things that we're good at give us energy. It doesn't mean we don't get tired. We're tired. But it's that good kind of tired where you can't wait to wake it up, wake up and do it all again. For example, Heather, I can speak for two days straight and I'm like on top of the moon. You mm-hmm. asked me to enter data into an Excel spreadsheet and I need a nap no, after like man. five minutes. Like, like <laughs> that does not give me energy. So by the way, for those detailed listeners, see, like I'm a target market for you being a virtual yes. assistant. Uh, so, yes. so just understanding. Virtual assistant, another great, that's a great yeah. stay at home mom job. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. So these five E questions can kind of give you insight to what mm-hmm. your strengths are. And then when you know what they are, you can stay in them where you'll, again, have more energy, have more fun and be more successful. So great because I know moms have emailed me that they feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Either they feel stuck in a job outside the home and they don't enjoy it and they don't know how to make a way to work from home so that they can be with their kids and, and make money for their family. So right. if someone feels stuck, I mean, you've given us so much juice and goodness and like a boost of energy, but that word to me, that feels fatal and I don't like it. So yeah, <laughs> let's switch it yeah. out. What, what words can we replace with stuck? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that you can do is just take a step. So instead of feeling yeah. stuck, like take one tiny baby step. I'll give you a silly analogy or a silly example uh, that doesn't have to do with business. So I, I've got some goals to work out this year, like everyone in the whole world has goals to work out. Um, and sometimes I don't want to, like everyone in the world sometimes doesn't want to work out. But what yeah. I commit is to take the first step. And the first step isn't a literal step on the treadmill. I mean, if I'm going to take that step, I... I got to get to the treadmill, right? Like, and that, that right. has a lot of steps just to get mm-hmm. there. So I will commit to, I'm just going to put on my running clothes. Like I'm just going to put on my running shorts, my tennis shoes and my sports bra. I can commit to that. Like that I can do, but here's what happens. I never put on my running clothes and go sit on the couch just by putting on my running clothes. It, that first step really does create that momentum. And then it gets me in the headspace. Like, okay, now I'm going to grab my water bottle. Now I'm going to get in my car. It sounds so simple, but it, instead of feeling stuck, like stuck means you're not making progress. So if you can make any progress, the tiniest baby step, if you wiggle an inch, if you do anything, there, there's action oriented around that. Your fear lessens, progress is made, momentum is created, confidence is, is created as well. And so, so any type of movement is what I would say. And don't diminish the movement. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I tend to, I'm an entrepreneur in nature. So I tend to only think in extremes. I'm either working out every day or I'm eating Oreos by the sleeve on the couch, not doing anything. Right. And so <laughs> to me, that's where yeah. some of the stuckness comes from. It's like, if I can't do everything and do it perfect, I'm not going to do anything. Mm, but I just mm. want to call that out because some is better than none. 
Okay, so a, a two-mile walk that you do is better than a four-mile run that you don't do. So do something. I don't know if that just means you're going to get into real grown-up clothes today and not stay in your pajamas all day. That's something. If it means you're going to take a shower, put on your makeup, and make yourself feel ready, and you're going to go run some errands, that's something. So stuck is is stationary. I just I want you to get moving. I don't care what moving is. It doesn't have to be extreme or something so impressive you're going to Facebook post about. It just means you did something. Um, it means you did a two-mile walk. It means you got out of the house. It means you posted that one Facebook update, which to no one else seemed like a big deal, but to you took a bold act of bravery for you to post that uh, Facebook update. So something like that where you can just identify a quick win um, that will really create some activity that will create momentum. Keep you going. Love it. I love it. And Christy, all of your advice. So good. I mean, your passion. I feel the passion. Oh, yeah. I get excited. (laughs) He's a passionate guy and he's an entrepreneur. And so I I can (laughs) understand this, like, just love for this idea and wanting people to go and do the things God put them here to do. And um, your whole site, the tagline, equipping women to make money doing what they love. So great. Thank Uh, you. So where can they find you online? I'll put the links in the show notes, but just say it here in case someone's driving or Perfect. Yeah. Businessboutique.com. So we've got the book there. We've got three one-day events coming up this spring. We're going to be in Salt Lake, Grand Rapids, and Louisville, Kentucky in March and April. We've got our Business Boutique Academy, which is my coaching group. Uh, We've got the book, the podcast, all the stuff. I don't really care how people get help. I just want them to get the help they need and the encouragement and tools to chase their dream and uh, and do that. And so, yeah, businessboutique.com has all that. Thank you so, so much. And for being with us today. And I know that just like all the moms listening, you still, even though you feel passionate and you're really excited and you, you move forward, that there are days that you have that same mom guilt or you don't, you're not feeling it and you get discouraged and you need your own words, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's such great accountability. Like Heather, like my, my Instagram, Insta story, all that is where I share all that. Like literally today, right before I got on this call with you, I spent my lunch break going to buy four replacement fish for the four Aww. fish I killed in my in my son my three year old son's aquarium, so it's like mom life is not glamorous. Like you know, it's like you're just trying to do the best you can. We all are. <laughs> We're all doing the best we can, and just let that go. Let yeah, that go. Ex- exactly. Don't live under it. All right. Well, thank you, Christy. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for having me. Whew. All right, y'all. Did you get all that? I may need a second listen to on all of that great advice and pep talk to be brave. I feel like I could do some really big things after listening to Christy. At least take that first step. Get those tennis shoes on. Go get that workout in. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe you're working out while you're listening right now. I did want to tell you uh, when I was brave about putting on the live event, I also took a risk and created a product, a, a tee and a sweatshirt and sold them at the live event. And y'all loved them so much, you wanted me to sell them uh, outside of the event to people outside of Dallas. And so I set up a shop, overwhelmed myself (laughs) with orders. Uh, And so I kind of took it off the table, shut down the shop for a little bit. And I have great news. I announced it on Instagram and Facebook last night during the Super Bowl. But I'm telling you uh, that t T-shirts and sweatshirts with the message, Don't Mom Alone, are now available. They're on sale, and I have outsourced to the printer who printed them, 
They are going to handle the orders and the shipping, and I could not be more happy about that. If you want to get a tee or a sweatshirt, uh, the sweatshirts are super comfy. The tees are very soft. They're like a um, like an Under Armour type fabric, not like your typical cotton. It's like a blend. Anyway, V-neck. You can see pictures if you go to www.sweettees. Okay, let me start over. <laughs> Go to Sweet Teas, plural, shop, sweetteesshop.com. I put a link in my Insta story and on Facebook and in, in my Instagram. Uh, if, if you're ever looking for me, it's at God Centered Mom. But Sweet Teas Shop, you can buy your Don't Mom Alone t shirts and sweatshirts. Okay, and I am praying that we can all remember that God made us uniquely for a purpose to bring him glory. Um, And this past week, I had a moment where I just got so bogged down with guilt and feeling judged by other moms for falling short in certain areas and just really needed my husband to give me a pep talk that, um, sure, I don't do, I don't do everything. Well, I don't, but there are certain things that Uh, He said, I just, I do exceptionally well and God made me to do those things. And so I can't be all the types of mom. I can't do all the things well, and that's not how God made me to be. So if you're feeling defeated in a certain area of your life, remember that it's in your weakness that God has made strong, that you aren't enough. You aren't, and it's okay. Uh, God is there to fill in the gaps and uh, you be the best mom God made you to be because he decided which kids you were going to have and he knew your weaknesses and he's okay with it. So, all right. Do you have the confidence to go and manage your life? I hope you do. And I will meet you here next week. Another great episode coming your way. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.